Welcome to Tech on Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, uh, joined uh, by a man in his car. <laughs> it's not Jerry Seinfeld. Sell uh, Jerry Seinfeld. It's uh, Jerry Hamilton. Uh, Jerry uh, at, at Galveston Ball High School tonight. <clears throat> Had a bunch of stuff going on. Was at a couple other high schools today as well. Uh, got some information and news for us uh, that's kind of fresh off the press from a recruiting perspective. I uh, want to welcome everybody into the chat tonight to the live stream. Uh, we're going to be talking about not only recruiting, but also uh, the big matchup this weekend uh, in uh, Dallas at the Cotton Bowl where Texas takes on uh, Oklahoma. Uh, before we get going, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Energy Texas, www.energytexas.com. Jerry, question for you. What do you make of uh, the Oklahoma quarterback situation right now? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, any of our we're all guessing a little bit um, without diving into all the concussion protocol. I think it's an interesting decision uh, for for Brent Venables. I mean, um, you know, you look at it and say if Dylan G Gabriel doesn't play or isn't able to play or however you want to characterize it, man, Oklahoma's really up against it at that point. Um, I, I think Texas is a I think Texas is a heavy favorite in this game. I really do. Um, I, I know it's a rivalry game. I know everybody says throw the records out and blah, 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 blah. But Oklahoma, that was the worst I've seen an Oklahoma team look since John Blake days. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. wow. <laughs> I, I just I, – I, I, that's just a reality. I mean, that's the worst I've seen an Oklahoma team look on the field in 20-plus years. So, you know, look, I mean, I, I think it's – Oklahoma was so interesting because it was such a drastic coaching change. They went from Lincoln Riley, great offensive mind, to Brent Venables' defensive mind, bringing a different physicality to the program. At the same time, Caleb Williams exits and goes to USC. Nick Benito, a bunch of other guys go to the NFL. And that's as much of an overhaul as you can imagine for a coach coming in. Just the changing, you know, changing the structure, changing the practices, changing the physicality. Um, and, you know, so it's a big change they're going through in Norman. And if G Dylan Gabriel can't play – Boy, it's kind of scary for the Sooners, but that's why they play the games, as we always say. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I think, Jerry, you and I talk about it a, a lot. I mean, you're only as good as your quarterback in many cases, all right? Um, their backup quarterback, uh, uh, who was the third-string guy at Pitt, did not look good uh, at uh, uh, at TCU in mop-up duty. He did lead them to two touchdowns, so I'm not taking that away from him, but he didn't look as good as Gabriel for sure. Um, and did not make that uh, Jeff Levy offense kind of roll. Their third string quarterback is very interesting. I listened to uh, Brent Venables today uh, and his presser that he had, and he talked a little bit about they're getting three quarterbacks ready to play. Assuming one is Dylan Gabriel, the other was, I think, Daryl Bevel. Uh, the yeah. third is General Booty, yeah. uh, who is from, uh, I think he went to Navarro Junior College last year. He is Josh Booty's grandson. I think, right. or, no, not grandson. Nephew. No, Abram Booty's, yeah, Abram Booty's son, Josh Booty's nephew. That takes me back to back when I was 
out in a car in Shreveport, Louisiana. He's the, he's the first booty that wasn't taking snaps in a nine-yard gun in high school. Remember that at Shreveport yeah. Evangel? Remember how different that was? They played in the nine-yard shotgun. They're like, you couldn't even get pressure on these guys, and they're just ripping the ball up and down the field. Yeah, I, I tell you what, uh, this is this is one of those situations where we're looking at it, and we don't know uh, what is going to happen. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was not, quote-unquote, practicing – but he was in Jersey throwing the ball on Monday. Uh, of course, Brent Venables, not unlike Steve Sarkeesian, has yeah. played coy with who his quarterback's going to be. Steve Sarkeesian on Monday, he he didn't let the cat out of the bag, whether he was going to start uh, Quinn Ewers or go with Hudson Card. Uh, he basically said, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see who gives us the best chance to win. These guys, yeah. this is, they're not, it's not their first rodeo, right? I mean, they, they, they uh, they're going to do it this way, and that's just going to be the way it is. Jerry, my question to you is, um, who do you expect to see on both sides starting? I'm going to go with Bevel for OU and Quinn Ewers for Texas. Wow, I'm and going that, doesn't to- mean, that, that that doesn't mean Gabriel's not going to play. Um, but I will say this: I, I'll, the reason I think Quinn is going to be the guy at Texas for all the reasons he won the job in the first place. And I go back to the first quarter of the Alabama game. Can you imagine being Steve Sarkeesian calling plays and saying, oh, my gosh, the guy I'm calling plays for looks like a first-round pick at quarterback? That's why he's going to be the guy. I get it. I completely get it. And I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with Quinn Ewers. I do think that they're going to try, try to trot out Dylan Gabriel. And I could be wrong. Maybe they trot out Gabriel, and if it doesn't go well, then Bevel comes in. I could have the mix wrong on that. But I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, maybe he, maybe they try to get him to give them a second half, uh, you know, momentum, something yeah. like that. You're you could be right. I, I I could see that both ways. I think though, if you're going to play him, uh, you play him early because otherwise, why did you, you're going to get the question proverbially? Why didn't you play him to start the game? Then you would have had a chance to win, you know. Right. Um, and so I, I think that that's that's a that's that's where second guessing the head coach uh, can come in. Uh, pretty heavily. Uh, Jerry, you talked to a couple of, I want to switch quickly to recruiting. I said that off the top that we had uh, some recruiting news over at InsideTexas.com earlier today. uh, You uh, put out uh, two bits of notes. One was on Derek Williams, uh, the five-star safety out of New Iberia Westgate that's been committed to Texas. He was expected to visit Alabama this weekend. What's the very latest? Yeah, not going to make that visit um, possible in December, but not a given. You know, I talked to a family member this afternoon, and they didn't act like official visits were imminent with him. And does that mean he'll take none? No. I mean, look, Alabama, LSU, Miami, A&M are still coming after him. But on the Alabama side, I spoke to somebody close to the Alabama uh, program recruiting, and the thought was unless there's a decommitment, safety may be close to done at Alabama. Now we'll get to Malik Muhammad in a second. They're not done at corner. Um, but so as, as long as Caleb Downs, Thompson are committed to Bama, then they have another kid committed out of Mississippi, then maybe that's not in the cards uh, for Williams and Alabama. We'll see, though. Nick Saban can be greedy, right? And just, you know, and, and he has the ability to be greedy in recruiting. But right now, I feel really – and look, I've been to Westgate High School twice since August. And both times I was there, I walked away from that thinking, Terry Joseph, Gideon, those guys have done a really good job. Bo Davis, whoever's kind of helped in this recruitment in Louisiana, has done a really good job. And the Westgate coaching staff thought, look, 
Texas has to recruit through the whistle on this kid, but they put themselves in a really good position because they've done such a great job in the relationship process, not only with the kid, but with the mom and with the coaching staff at Westgate. So I'm going to stay there until something tells me otherwise. I think Texas is in a really good spot with Derek Williams, and he's not going to visit Bama this weekend. We'll see if that visit is rescheduled or not. That's to be determined. One word that I would have for that update, Jerry, encouraging. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's an encouraging news and note because Derek Williams uh, is a guy that could play very, very early in college. He's so physical, uh, runs really well. Uh, we'll see, uh, you know, you never know once they get to college. But, man, he, he seems like he might be tailor-made. Tailor I'll tell you what, Bobby, him as a prospect, let's talk about him for a second. So when I was there in August, I saw him in DB drills, right? It's a practice, but his – Whenever he sticks his foot in the ground, he has a little burst to him. And what I learned that day I was there was that the dad is between 6'5 and 6'6, and the mom's between 5'11 and 6 feet tall. And the staff at Westgate, Ryan Antoine, the head coach, played at Law Tech, was a recruited guy. They just think this kid could end up being 6'3, 220 one day. They think he could be big. Now, the second practice I was just at, he was playing running back. And he has real – everything you saw in a DB drill carried over to running back. He has real acceleration. He has different acceleration for most safeties that we see. I mean, he is a better – he's got more acceleration than a Caden Stearns and a B.J. Foster did coming out of high school. And that's not saying taking anything lightly. Those guys are big-time prospects coming out. But I think Derek Williams may be on a slightly higher level as a prospect than those guys, especially when you consider how big he could get. Yeah, I, I look, I think that that uh, Texas needs a, a safety that can patrol the field a little yes. bit more maybe than what they have right now. Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson are playing well, uh, but neither of them necessarily have that five-star uh, first-round pick uh, ability, right? They may play in the league right. someday, uh, but they just don't have that that uh, all-the-way-around uh, ability, Not certainly not to man up on the outside against some people like Derek Williams might. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. as well that's just hilarious and, and he's, by the way he's playing corner some this year too so I they're comfortable you. enough that he'll go cover a team's best receiver if they're playing a team that has a division one caliber wide out i've got i've got another thing before we switch and talk about malik muhammad because i want to uh the cornerback that's committed to texas wow what a tackle you, you see that see that acceleration when he sees the ball that's a different level um what i was gonna say before i get to malik muhammad and we talk about the young man from south oak cliff that's committed to texas He's also expect was also expected to visit Alabama this weekend. I want to get that update before we do. I want to ask everybody a question that's on the on the live stream right now, and that is, what is your favorite Texas OU memory? It can be a game, it can be a single play, it can be something that you remember when you were seven. I'm going to give mine at the at the end of the show, uh, but I want you guys to think about that. Uh, Jerry, let's let's uh, and, and comment on it, please, because I think it'd be interesting for other people to see it. Uh, Jerry, talk about Malik Muhammad, the cornerback out of South Oak Cliff. Cliff, you talked to him today and, and got the latest. Yeah, last week when I, or maybe two weeks ago, when last week when I was up there, it, the, it was October eighth had been mentioned, 
But again, speaking with somebody on the Alabama side, they said it was actually October 22nd was the date that Muhammad was expected to visit. So that had kind of gone back and forth. But now it's December possible. Um, and we've been talking about on Inside Texas, anybody that follows the national recruiting, Cormani McLean is a top target of Alabama. Um, and he's he, he has probably got that final corner spot if he wants it. We'll see what happens there. Um, so, again, how does that play into things? Uh, with Malik Muhammad. Now, Alabama has coveted Malik Muhammad. Uh, for those that remember, the, the, uh, the, the night before his ceremony, or I reported the day I was at Muhammad's ceremony, Nick Saban was on the phone with Muhammad and the family for an hour the night before, trying to get him to hold off on committing. Uh, so if people are wondering how much Nick Saban covers Muhammad, he certainly does. Now, you're recruiting multiple guys, uh, and Jesse White's got my answer. Um, and uh, multiple guys, their mind's already known. It's been known on Inside Texas since Monday. But so it, well, does Cormani McLean jump in before Malik Muhammad could have an opportunity to? If you're a Texas fan, you, you're cheering for Cormani McLean to commit uh, uh, to Texas, uh, to Alabama as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I tell you what, uh, it, it's one of those things where um, I feel like, you know, Texas, again, needs this is another encouraging update to say the least uh but texas needs to finish with these guys right um yes they got them uh committed in the boat in the summertime uh but these guys are all elite guys no no offense to other teams when we say texas is going to recruit through the whistle those other teams are going to recruit texas commitments through the, through that's, the, whistle that's the only way you know you're recruiting the right guys right bobby is that Alabama, Miami, a LSU want the guys you're recruiting. And by the way, Malik Muhammad's a big one because he's an early enrollee. Yeah. I mean, he's got a chance to come in and push and compete. Uh, Jamal Charles' speedster call was a great one because Keith Jackson was on the call, by the way, in 05. <laughs> that, that's what made that one great. But, yeah, Muhammad's an early enrollee. I mean, that's a huge deal, I mean, for Texas. Because when you look at it, Jamison's gone, and who knows what else happens at corner. There's Austin Jordan and Terrence Brooks both stick at corner. You don't know. In the spring, they're probably going to be tried at multiple spots. At least one of them will be. So, Muhammad is an early enrollee. is a really big deal. Yeah, it is because I think it matters, right? I mean, it, it, it's one of those – games uh, are one of those players where this is guy this is a guy that helps um solidify a class and answers a, a immediate need with an elite player we've yeah. talked about this jerry um uh when you and i talk uh, we always talk about yeah there are guys that are good players like that are going to be help the program that are going to be starters even right then there's guys that could possibly help you elevate the program right and when you start talking about guys that are top 50 guys in the country, you're talking about the Xavier Worthies, the Quinn Ewers, um, probably uh, even Jordan Whittington to some level was a top 50 guy in the country. Uh, Kelvin Banks, right? Those type of guys, Jerry. And that's really what Texas is out for right now. Yeah. They're out for those elite, elite guys uh, that that can do that and, and get it going. Um, I want to I ask you a couple questions that came in from inside Texas. And then we have a couple of questions from other people as well. Uh, let's start with this one. I know they were down a lot of players and kind of sucked before, but do you think the Sooners may have overlooked K-State and prepped for us, pulling a Patterson per se? No, I, I just think uh, I, I just think that it, they're having trouble. Now, what's interesting about Texas-Oklahoma is the quarterback run game is not in the equation for Texas. 
And I can tell you this from a TCU perspective, Chandler Morris was back healthy. And there was a question who they were going to go with. But Mac, Adrian Martinez in Kansas State kind of exposed a couple things with Oklahoma. So TCU went with Dugan, who'd been playing well enough to have that quarterback run game and came out in 10 personnel and kind of caught them off guard a little bit. But that quarterback run game was a factor in TCU's preparation for Kansas State. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma has overlooked anybody. I just think they're struggling as a team. Uh, I don't think Texas uh, overlooked Texas Tech when they went to Lubbock either. I just think you know, there's some – they didn't play well. There's some holes. Um, and Oklahoma definitely has those. And like you said on the phone today, when both safeties go down, good luck in college football. You don't have – there aren't a lot of teams that have depth at safety to where if you lose both of your starters in a game, you're going to – you can replicate what those guys brought. That's just not happening it, in college. It's changed too, Jerry. It's yeah. changed because the – there's not as many that, that are sticking around long as long with the transfer portal. Right. So they're not ready to go when called upon off the bench. They don't, I mean, JD Coffey's not ready to go right now. Right. You can act, you can say, oh, well, he's a sophomore, yada, yada. He's not ready. And so if, te- if Texas has to go with him, it's going to be, it's going to be a steep decline. And I'm not taking a, taking a shot there. It's just Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook are getting, not only are they playing well and playing fast, they're getting people lined up. Right. They're, they're communicating with other people. And OU lost both of their guys last week at, at, at certain times, and it looked like it. Yeah. Um, now, I did not watch – I don't know if you watched the K-State game, uh, but I did not watch much of the K-State game. I, I taped and recorded the entire TCU game. Um, uh, and actually, it went so long, it, some of it didn't get, get recorded at the very end. Um, because of the, I think there was like a, a lightning delay or, or something at one point, but I fast forwarded through it. The, the, the issue is there's not an innumerable supply of backups these days. And OU was off or excuse me, the defense was already considered the weaker side of the ball and they're changing styles of defense with Brent Mittables um, from Alex Grinch, who went to USC with Lincoln Riley. And so it's a big difference. And uh, I think we see that in, to your point, you know, I, I feel like maybe OU got exposed like last week and didn't look good, but I don't think it's ever as bad as it looks or ever as good as it looks. Well, and let's say this about TCU, uh, because I think a lot of fans probably underrate TCU right now. Um, they had a running threat at quarterback. But TCU's got multiple future NFL draft picks at wide receiver. And for people that don't believe that, I don't know what to say. Quentin Johnson, maybe he'll be a first-rounder after the combine. Savion Williams is a guy that's thought of as a probable draft pick. Darius Davis is one of the fastest players in college football. Jordan Hudson hasn't even really got out there much. And the thought is that guy's going to get drafted one day. I mean, and I certainly believe that seeing Jordan Hudson in high school. So they have a lot of – they probably have the best receiver core in the Big 12 when you consider Nayor – going down before the season with Texas. I thought those are the two teams. So can Texas, does Texas have that same ability to attack TC uh, Oklahoma the same way TCU did? I don't know. I think it's going to be a little different. Um, but where I think Texas is better than TCU is at the running back position. And that's going to force Oklahoma to attack it a different way. And that's why I think Quinn Ewers uh, it takes the ball again because the ability to throw down the field with favorable coverage Oklahoma has to stop the run, else they have no shot Saturday. So you got to stop the run early. 
And then that's going to enable Texas to throw the ball down the field and have some favorable matchups at multiple spots. Um, taking Cole Schramm's question here because it's kind of a – it's an offshoot or a tangent somewhat. Uh, how much does Oklahoma struggling on defense, especially against a running QB, really have a bearing on Sark's game plan? I don't know that it really does in the same way. It, unless there is one or two um, – one or two ways – to uh, really get them out of sorts and out of their base defense with uh, different kinds of positions, whether it's 21 personnel or four wides and one tight end or four wides and a running back, uh, so 10 personnel. Unless it's by design or by um, uh, alignment, I don't know that it really does much overall. I'm talking about maybe on third and three and you spread them out, right? right. Maybe in – you know, that kind of stuff, but not, not really overall. I, I don't know that I don't see how that would work against Sark's defense, uh, Sark's offense. What, well, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I just don't, I, I think that the quarterback run game is totally out the window. That's just not tech. That's not the way Texas is built. Um, it's just not. And, but I don't think that's going to affect Texas. I, I agree with you that much. Um, I, I think Sark is such a great game planner has such a great feel for offense. They do such a good job breaking people down um, in the spotting tendencies that I I, I think, look, it, more important for – well, I, everything's a matchup, right? More important than a Texas not having a quarterback run game is creating the shots down the field against a defense that I think uh, is, is can be had there, especially when you're going to have to force an extra number into the box. Um, and so Sark's ability to dial that up is his strength. Um, and I look for that to be a strength Saturday. Um, with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com and on three sports, uh, Jerry is at the Galveston Ball in his car tonight uh, doing some work for uh, us. By, by, by the way, I've been out and about today, but I need to let people know. So Braylon Shelby has kind of been on. You know, we've talked at length. I've mentioned on Inside Texas. Um, so I was just down in the area, and his sister's an unbelievable athlete, maybe the best athlete that will ever come through Friendswood High School. So she was playing volleyball, and I was talking to Br uh, Braylon at the game a couple weeks ago, and he's like, man, you got to watch my sister play, blah, 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 blah. And, and I've, obviously I have guys that I graduated from high school with that have uh, kids on the volleyball team. They're state ranked. So I was like, okay, I'll stop in. And, man, Braylon Shelby's sister's an unbelievable athlete. I mean, she's swinging straight down. She's a freshman. I mean, uh, she can dunk a basketball, so very impressive athlete for a freshman. Well, I, I, I got to wonder, is she going to be a Vic Schaefer target, in your opinion? Uh, uh, if she gets to 6'1", she's going to be a, a Jaron Elliott target. Oh, <laughs> uh, you think more bat, more volleyball than, that's than what people? That's what people think. She's going to be a freshman starter on volleyball and basketball. Very rare, but she is a 5'11", and uh, she is so far above the net, um, and it's not just – jumping ability it's fast twitch jumping ability she gets off the floor quick gotcha um asking people in the chat uh, what is your favorite texas versus ou moment it could be a single play it could be an anecdote uh whatever you think your single favorite moment of the texas ou rivalry is i'm going to go over mine here at the end of the show uh and uh jerry i, I want to hear yours as well although i think you already said yours with the shipley uh, return for for kickoff against OU Texas down fourteen to three at that point. Uh, Shipley returns a kickoff and it's fourteen to ten and we got a ball game. Um, yeah. Jerry, uh, we we look at the, this team right now and 
you and I haven't talked, at least not uh, here uh, on on Texas football since the uh, West Virginia game. Give me your you know blunt thoughts about how Texas took care of business against West Virginia. Yeah, I just I just think that look, quarterbacks. That it's almost the flip side for Texas, right? Well, I like the West Virginia matchup for Texas was JT Daniels is not – he's a pocket guy. He's a strict pocket guy. I think Texas is going to have a lot of success against those guys this season. Um, and, and so I knew they could get enough pressure on Daniels, be disruptive enough. Um, and that's kind of what I like in the Oklahoma matchup too because even if Dylan Gabriel plays, he ain't going to be playing the same way he did before with a 60-yard run. That is not happening. Um, I think it's a favorable matchup for Texas. Um, anytime it's more of a pocket quarterback, I, I think Texas is going to have is going to look a lot better defensively against those guys than a quarterback that can put uh, pressure on the defense with the run game or on the perimeter when he's flushed or under duress. Um, so I like the matchup for Texas. Um, I, I look. I think that was a hard fought running game uh, for Bijan Robinson. It was a hard fought hundred yards. Uh, I. I just like I like I just like the players Texas is bringing into the program, and it was ugly in Lubbock. I, that was a, to me is a bad loss. I don't care. There's no way to spin it. I I think Texas has played two of the worst three teams in the Big Twelve, um, and they should have been two and zero in those games, but they're not. Now you move forward. Uh, but I just I like the defensive line. I think there's guys that are playing better. Alfred Collins is starting to show a little bit, right? Keandre Coburn's an improved player as a senior. Byron Murphy's a sophomore. More Ojemo's return was a big one, right? Um, I think he can be a disruptive player. Jalen Ford is going to make a million and a half tackles this year. I mean, I, you know, guy, what's he averaging since game one? He's averaged 14 a game. I, I, mean, I agree. I agree. I he's mean, Wow, he is the he is the guy right now. Uh, they are relying on him heavily. And, and and this is a team that it was such a big game Saturday because whenever you're trying to build a program, I, I don't care whether it's high school, college level, NFL is different. Those are pros, but it's the belief that you're going to win. You know, if you Bobby, I know you've talked to coaches about this. The hardest thing when you take over a program that's been struggling is getting the guys to actually believe they're going to win the game when the chips are down, when the adversity hits. And Texas had an adverse situation leaving Lubbock. They're two and two. It was not a good loss. It was not a good performance. Um, but for them to come back and play, I'm not going to say it was their best game of the year. That would be kind of dumb to say after the Alabama game. But play, show improvement from loss in Lubbock to win that week, uh, the, the whole week, and then beating West Virginia. I think it's a huge positive for this program. And look, now things are set up. Oklahoma's wounded. It is a rivalry game. Texas is a better team. If you can get that one, then you have Iowa State at home, which is a bottom three team in the Big 12 this year, and you're actually set up to go win eight games in a regular season, which has been my number all year. So I think they're trending in the right direction again. Um, I think they need Quinn to come back and really get that ball down the field and get that going again. Um, and if they do that, I mean, look, they have NFL. We've talked about it all year. They have NFL player at running back. I think Quinn's an NFL player at quarterback. They have an NFL player at tight end. They have NFL player at wide receiver. They have an NFL left tackle. It's been a while at Texas since you could point to all those. I, so no, I agree. Uh, and I like the young guys on defense. I, I look forward to Ethan Burke playing more. I look forward to some of those guys playing more. And 
I can't wait to see what those guys look like next year. You know, as sophomores and Dre Bledsoe with a year under his belt coming out very, very raw from Marlin, but pound for pound, maybe as good an athlete as they have. So I just like the players they're recruiting. I, I like what they're recruiting in 2023. Um, I think they're going to use the portal to their advantage in a big way this year. I think things are trending in the right direction, but the main thing is to get the next two. If you get the next two games, Sark needs that first big win at Texas. He needs to beat Oklahoma this week. He has to beat them. And then you beat Iowa State, then you're sitting there and you have a chance and you have momentum and you have kids believing we've turned a corner here under this new coaching staff and we actually believe what they're telling us and have been telling us. I think it's huge. Yeah, it, it is hard to make that uh, create your own inertia, right? Yep. Where you have to create the momentum. It doesn't create it itself. You have to create the belief that you can win. Um and it's easier said than done. We get all oh, you yeah. can try all the coaching tricks you want. At the end of the day, one of your guys makes one more play than the other team, and you win. That's it. That that's how this works. And um, I, I feel like that's where Texas has to figure it all out uh, because ultimately um, it's going to come back to these players. Sark is putting them on offense. He's definitely, I think, nine times out of ten, putting them in places to succeed. And it's just about them executing on defense. You know, there's been questions about scheme at time at times, but Texas is playing pretty decent defense overall right now. Uh, they're still giving up too much on third and fourth down, but um, they're playing decently. Okay. Uh, so, Hey, hey, I, I wanna... hey, 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 before you get to the next thing, let's, th let's talk about one thing real quick, because I think we're five games in and that's a good time to talk about before the season, where is Texas better than they were last year? Okay. They're better at tight end, most improved pro, uh, position in the program. They're better at linebacker this year. They're better on the defensive line. The guys are playing better. They're better at wide receiver because Worthy's older, Whittington healthy, knock on wood so far, and the tight ends make that better. Keelan Robinson, the way he's used, Bijan, Roshan, uh, they're really good at running back. They're better at wide receiver and catching the ball out of the backfield. I'm going to name two areas, though. They're, they're better at quarterback. Better at quarterback, for sure. Better at left tackle. Better on the offensive line a little bit. And that's still a work in progress it's going to be. But I'm going to go to two areas that before the season were huge questions. They're better at punter than they were a year ago. And Bird Auburn has come through at kicker so far this year. And I don't want to jinx these guys because, damn it, I've been on the free throw line. And I missed two against Lamarck. Uh, two technicals and, and I was 90% and it dropped the 88 and a half. And it, it's, I'm still got nightmares about it. But Auburn's come through, okay? Trejo is a really good punter. They're better in a lot of areas as a team this year. And now it's time to go grab the wins and get it done. Got a question for you coming up next is about Gary Patterson and his impact on uh, the uh, Texas OU rivalry, given that Jeff Levy uh, is Art Briles' uh, son-in-law and runs the Art Briles offense. Uh, first, I need to say thank you to Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans, by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas. Not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. www.energytexas.com. Um, Jerry, I want to ask you about Patterson, Gary Patterson. Um, he, no love lost between him and Art Briles. Uh, during their two times at uh, TCU and Baylor uh, together, uh, or apart, I guess. 
uh, he, there were times when Gary Patterson truly stifled Art Bryles. Yet there were times when Art Bryles lit Gary Patterson up like a Christmas tree. Um, how, how much impact do you think Gary Patterson and his knowledge of the Art Bryles offense can impact this game? Well, it's tough to call. It's such a different. It's so different, right? I mean, Art Bryles had NFL quarterbacks every time Gary went up against him, right? I mean, so it's a little different. But um, I think just tendencies. Um, you know, I think that's Gary's strength is is the tendencies. Um, and so I think it's going to help. It def it definitely does nothing but help. To what degree, I don't know. Um, because the difference is, well, how would Gary play them versus what? PK plays them, right? And that's what it really comes down to. I think the tendencies are probably where he helps, but I think they probably play him in different ways uh, based on what you saw at TCU and what you've seen uh, from PK at Texas and Washington. So I'm not sure how much outside of tendencies, but I can tell you this, um, to that point, to the person that asked the question, uh, don't think for a second Gary doesn't want to be on the winning end of that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think it helps a little bit um, because the one thing, uh, not a lot of guys on that defense, on that defensive staff, have a lot of true experience against that style of offense. Uh, Bo Davis played it some, but he didn't. He probably didn't have many game, game uh, uh, planning uh, responsibilities when he when uh, he was a Texas assistant going up against Art Bryles. Um, Jeff Choate doesn't play it when he's at Montana State. Um, PK didn't play it when he was at Washington. Um, Blake Gideon may have done it a little bit. Uh, I can guarantee you Terry Joseph didn't at Notre Dame or at A&M, right, during his, his treks there. So Gary Patterson's familiarity with their reads and what that opposing quarterback is looking for, because it's truly – the Arbrow's offense is truly an option offense. You dictate where they go with the ball. Um, nine times out of ten, there are play, play calls, but nine times out of ten, you literally, as a defense, dictate to them where they're going with the football. So, I think that that will uh, help somewhat at the at the very least. I'll, I'll tell you what else, maybe bigger than any scheme thing, is Gary Patterson walks by player X for Texas and says, "This is if you do this." you'll have success. That may be more than anything just by him talking to a player, a defensive player at Texas and saying, this is how you do this against this offense. When you see this, this is what you do. And just that confidence, knowing having been there, played against it to your point, may do more than anything scheme-wise ever would. Yeah, I, I think that I think that he's, he's a guy that's – another guy they can lean on inside the uh, – inside the locker room or, or on the field of play. Um, talking with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. Uh, please visit us at InsideTexas.com each and every week and day. Uh, we have uh, multiple articles going on there. Jerry's talking about recruiting. I'm talking about the team. Uh, Eric Nalin, our publishers, all over them, all over everything. Uh, Justin Wells, uh, you know, we're really trying to bring it to you guys. Joe Cook, the beat writer. Ian Boyd, X's and O's. Uh, Paul Wadlington uh, with some... Uh, interesting commentary always and observations that we think you guys would like check us out on insidetexas.com um hey i'm going to i'm going to ask you one one question here um 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Where are Red, Thompson, O'Meer, those guys, Ajay Hall? Ajay Hall got in the game a little bit. He was on that Hail Mary, Jerry, right. uh, that they missed at half. Um, in your opinion, where are those guys right now? Well, I, I think uh, I think Sark feels really comfortable with the guys at wide out, right? Um, and what he's doing offensively. And I think the emergence of Jatavion Sanders a, a, as a as a guy you're scheming into the game in multiple ways in the tight end position um, is kind of taking away opportunities for some of the wideouts. And, and, and you know what? That's a good thing. Uh, not a good thing for those guys necessarily, but a good thing for the Texas offense. Um, so I, I think that, you know, obviously Red, he got in and ran – I think he ran a little post corner against Texas Tech, right? And, and card overthrew him. So he's been in. Brennan Thompson's had, you know, was under the weather for a while, learning to play through the contact at that level, really learning to play to wide receiver position. Omir, nobody really knows how healthy he truly is. It's one thing to go out there and run a go route. It's another thing to stick your, that foot in the ground and cut. Um, and Ajay Hall, I think he's going to have his moments this year. I, I've, I've said all year that, you know, if that guy scores five touchdowns this year, then he's done. A, he's kind of served his purpose for Texas because he hasn't had enough consistency or production to think he's going to be a forty catch, six hundred yard guy. That was never in the cards. But what can he be as a guy that scores a handful of touchdowns and they're meaningful? And I still think that's on the table for him coming off the suspension. Well, here, here's the reality. From to your point, um, Steve Sarkeesian has decided to go with uh, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington. And then his number three is Casey Kane. Yep. That, those are his three dudes. Now, Kane is not caught very many. He's caught some big passes, though. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. But Whittington and Worthy are 1A and 1B in this yep. passing offense for receivers. I'm not so sure Jatavian Sanders isn't 1C. He is 1C. And right. the running backs are 2A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, that, and so – now, maybe that changes, and I will say this. Maybe that changes with a change at quarterback. Maybe. Um, because Hudson Card, I, you know, talking with Brian, Coach Brian Irwin on Sunday or on uh, Monday, like I did, he talked about the plat passes in the flat that Steve Sarkeesian really got H Hudson Card going with. And, you know, when you're doing that, you need a back in, in, the, in the backfield. You need a tight end. You want to throw the little bubble screen to the outside, right? You're going to want to get that in guys' hands that that that, uh, that you want to get touches. With Quinn Ewers, you start talking about a, a more vertical attack, maybe attacking the middle of the field even a little bit more, right? On slants or deep or deep ends or, or whatever, you know, comeback routes. Even I, I feel like. I feel like that is a issue that that we're not really addressing when it comes to the addition of these other receivers, you know, and, and you know, maybe they didn't have to. I mean, they've scored 30 plus points in every game except for Alabama this year so far. And they, yeah, and they would have a Quinn that get hurt. Um, so 
Look, I think the guy who's going to make some plays at crucial times, and I think they're going to be on the road, is going to be Milton. Well, he did. He did against Texas Tech. I mean, you can throw the ball in his general direction as long as he doesn't have to leave his feet, and he's going to come down with that football. He's going to make the catch, whether it's contested, toe tap on the sideline, whatever. I think he's going to have a few key moments for this team this year moving forward because you have some really tough road games coming up, and experience is going to matter. And Quinn's going to need an out, somebody he knows is going to make that catch. As worthy, as talented as he is, the hands are in, have been inconsistent this year. It, no way around it. Yeah. Whittington comes down with the football, but Milton probably has the best hands of any receiver when you count Jatavion Sanders as a tight end. So who are those guys that are going to catch the ball on the road in crucial situations? I think you're going to see Milton make two or three or four big catches later in Big 12 season. Same with Casey Kane. Yes. Same with Casey Kane. All right. Uh, question. This is going to recruiting real quick. Uh have y'all done a video on Jalen and Wilson yet? What happened? Where is he headed? Uh, Wilson uh, from Spring to Caney, a longtime Texas commitment, decommitted from the Longhorns over the weekend. Uh, Jerry, what happened there? You know, you hear things in our business. One of the interesting things was I was at the uh, Caney Eisenhower game two weeks ago, same game Marion and Sark were at. Um, and I had somebody unsolicited, a, a, a coach, um, not on Caney's staff, so you can take a guess what staff told me, I think this kid's going to end up at Houston. And I kind of passed it off at the time. I was like, eh, you know, okay. I mean, and he was, and he looked at me and said, I don't think he's going to end up at Texas. And, you know, you kind of put it in your hip pocket. That's not something you're going to report, right? I mean, because it, you hadn't heard it from a kid or somebody on the Decaney side. But since that staff had somebody committed to Texas, you know, you did put it in your back pocket. And he was at the Houston game, right, uh, what, last weekend? Um, we'll see what happens there. But I think as of right now, the school you're betting on is University of Houston based on what somebody said and then what transpired a week later. Interesting. Uh, very, very interesting. They signed uh, – who was the receiver they signed out Matthew of uh, – Matthew Golden. Matthew yeah, Golden. He's starting for last year, right? Really good. Out of Klein Kane. Really good player. Oh, Klein Kane, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that they're – you know, Houston has to get some of those local guys – 100%. And Jonah Wilson, I, I still think, is a fantastic player. Uh, and uh, he could have done some real damage at Texas as well. Uh, Texas continues to recruit other receivers, though. Uh, tell us about the young man out of Florida. Or, excuse me, out of California, Jerry, that you know Texas is after for sure. Wide yeah, receiver. DeAndre Moore, Louisville commitment, one-time USC commitment, or Oklahoma commitment when Lincoln Riley was there. He's been committed to Louisville, plays on the same high school team. With Steve Clarkson's son, the quarterback committed to Louisville. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, no, he won't end up flipping. I don't know. In our industry, there's a lot of talk that he likely doesn't end up at Louisville, but that's let's see where the recruiting process goes. He's expected to visit Texas in October. Uh, uh, Eric Nolene, Justin Wells broke the news today that Arch Manning will be in town for the Iowa State game. That might make some sense that DeAndre Moore may be coming in that weekend. We'll see. Um, but DeAndre Moore is, I think, the top wide receiver target in the high school ranks for Texas. I think Texas is going to be active in the portal. I, I really do. I, I think, Bobby, we're going to have a lot of fun discussing high school recruiting versus portal recruiting in the coming weeks and months um, because I think it's a great discussion to be had. And I think we're going to see Texas be really aggressive in the portal, knowing that next year they have a chance to have a really, really good football team. And that's that balance of high school kids versus experienced kids. 
Well, they get the right guys on defense next year. That's right. It, it sets up really, really nice because he's even with uh, Bijan and Roshan and, and even possibly Keelan Robinson leaving, they're going to have running back that's probably pretty good, right? And Jonathan oh. Brooks, Cedric Baxter, um, they're going to have a quarterback, uh, maybe two. They're going to have receivers. Worthy's got to be back. Nayor should be back. Uh, and you just start looking at the other young guys that they have coming up or and or are bringing in uh, the offensive line should be a, a year older uh, with all but one player. Uh, the defensive line probably is where the Longhorns may get hurt the most last or next year. And so if you start talking about the portal, uh, that most likely uh, is where uh, that happens. Um, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Moore and this is interesting, right? So he's committed to Louisville. Well, Louisville is now a disappointing two and three right now. And uh, I think that it's not just that they've lost some games, it's how they've lost them that's got people second-guessing their coach. And here is my question, Jerry. There are more than one – we've already got five um, teams without head coaches, I think. Nebraska, (laughs) Wisconsin, Colorado. Who else am I missing? Arizona State. Arizona State, so four at least. Soon to be Auburn. Georgia yeah. Tech. Oh, Georgia Tech's the other one's already gone. You don't think Tashard Choice doesn't know somebody at Georgia Tech that Texas could probably use on defense? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, exactly. I don't. I'm not saying that Tashard Choice is going to go and do that. Um, heck, heck, yeah, it would have been. Um, I'm reading Justin Yarbrough's t- text there. Uh, Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders made some plays for Arkansas. Absolutely. Yeah. I, at least I think he's the national leader in sacks yeah. right now, Jerry. Yeah. Um, my point on the portal as it relates to that, those guys, you're going to know within the first f- – and thank you, by the way, Justin uh, Yarbo for that uh, super chat. Um, you're going to know those guys and be able to scout that team. And why wouldn't those guys put their name in the portal come December? Absolutely. Why wouldn't yeah. they? So they can t- test, the, test their, their options, so to speak. Because they're going to have a brand new coach. Why wouldn't they go in the, the portal immediately in December before the new coach really knows who they are? Because they can always uh, potentially hop back out of it. I, That's I don't right. know what to say. Yeah, no. And I think uh, I think it's going to be very interesting, um, you know, because Auburn will open up. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right. So um, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that we're talking about the school programs that are open. What happens when a coach takes the Auburn job? Where does he come from? This coaching carousel. Um, and, and the one thing I'm noticing, and I, I think it's pretty obvious, is guys are getting fired earlier in the season now. Five coaches after three or four games. So you have a scenario now where I think ADs, because of the portal, because of the December signing period, are starting to get ahead of this a little bit. That's where the December signing period plus the portals change in the game in the coaching carousel. I think there's decisions being made quicker. They're not going to let these guys linger and you know hang them out the dry here for nine games and fire them in the middle of November. That's not happening. I think you're going to see more people making moves earlier. And to your point, what that does is it gives the kids at these schools time to prepare if they're going to jump in the portal. Um, but it also is going to get it also is going to get this coaching carousel going earlier and earlier every year, and I think that's going to be a change um, that's coming in college football because of those two things we talked about. Yeah, um, 
Jerry, I, I, I got to say something because this this reminds me uh, of uh, really something I wanted to say kind of um, about the, the lack of substitution that Texas has and Steve Sarkeesian does yeah. as wide receiver. Yep. Here, here's the reality of it. Tom Herman used to substitute wide receivers and they weren't equal. Didn't even make sense. No, no, it didn't make sense, but he did it to keep them fresh and and get keep them involved in this sort of stuff. Well, you're you're effectively taking. I mean, every play that Xavier Worthy's not on the field is you're less likely to score a touchdown. No question. <laughs> I mean, and so you know, I think that there's a, a, an element of truth to what Terry Freeman is saying here. I mean, yes. into into story, kind of that thing. Want to guess, uh, Pivo four four. Hey, by the way, Bobby, there's a reason they're called number one and number two receivers. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, uh, Jerry, a recruiting question for you. The big tight end out of Arizona, Deuce Robinson. Uh, have you heard anything more from him? I think he was at Georgia a week ago. Georgia a couple of weeks ago. He's at Alabama, scheduled to be at Bama this week. And we have not heard a date that he's rescheduled for Texas. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, since we haven't heard a date, if that is in question, I'm just spitballing here because I was at North Crowley last week to see Samaje Burrell. And Jeff Banks and the staff had reached out to Camorian Pimpton, the uh, 6'6", 225-pound senior riser that's committed to Vanderbilt. So when I heard that that day, I said, hmm, I wonder if Deuce Robinson makes it back in. Um, because obviously Texas is looking. They have two tight ends committed. Will Randall's a really good player in the Andrew Beck mold to me. Right? Just a really good football player. You can move him around. You can do a lot of things with him. Spencer Shannon's going to come in as a guy who can, is a really talented blocker, not really a mismatch, a down. Neither one of those guys are mismatched in the passing game. So Texas is clearly looking for a mismatch with size at tight end to add to the equation at the tight end position. And so Deuce Robinson, who did not make that official visit because of a lightning canceled his game uh, a few weeks ago. But with, with Texas now talking to Camorian Pimpton and inviting him to the West Virginia game, he couldn't make it down. His father couldn't make it down. I thought that was very interesting. It's going to tie into Deuce Robinson one way. Uh, a couple ways, but it's also telling you that Texas is still looking for that favorable mismatch at the position. Um, speaking with Jerry Hamilton of On3 and InsideTexas.com, uh, got a few more questions here. I also had a, a question for all the visitors tonight uh, who are joining us. Thank you guys, by the way. We really appreciate you you guys joining us here at On Texas Football as well as InsideTexas.com. Uh, nobody enjoys this, I assure you, more than me and Jerry talking Texas football. Jerry's at Ball High School right now, and the, they turned out the lights apparently in the in the uh, in the uh, uh, car parking lot. So uh, we really do enjoy it, and uh, I hope you guys realize how much we enjoy uh, you guys being here with us as well. Um, Jerry, before we get going, we one of the things I wanted to mention uh, was we're asking everybody in the chat to name their very favorite. Texas OU moment. Uh, I'm going to give mine out here in a few minutes. We've seen some. Uh, mine actually, I'm going to, I'm not going to say what it was, but mine actually has already been, been uh, mentioned. Uh, and it was not, I don't think Matt put it up on the, on the screen. Uh, so we'll, I'll have to go back and talk about that uh, and make sure people hear about that. Uh, before we go uh, any further, I also want to thank uh, uh, the guys at Energy Texas uh, for helping us out as well. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, let's go this one real quick for you because it's a, a recruiting question. I know Justin Wells went up to see him uh, last week. Micah Hudson, Tommy Yarish is calling our Tommy Yarish at uh, Inside Texas and on Texas f football is calling his game on Friday night for Dave Campbell's 
Um, have, have you heard any rumors about the young man, the 2024 top wide receiver or one of the top wide receivers in the state and country, Micah Hudson, uh, making a decision already? Yeah, I mean, we always hear rumors in our business, right? I mean, the back channels, um, you, you know, you hear all the chatter. Uh, nothing that I would say is concrete with that, right? I mean, and uh, I think Texas is uh, doing a great job with Micah Hudson. I think Brennan Marion's developed a relationship quickly. Uh, I think, obviously, the scheme uh, is very favorable. Um, I think a and struggles on offense help Texas mightily in this recruitment. I really do. Um, because look, Mike had, had an into the season had been on AM's campus more than he had Texas. Obviously, and, and, he, and he does work with margin hooks a little bit. So the Evan Stewart, uh, I think, was kind of recruiting him a little bit. But I, I got to tell you, I think the Texas, what they showed against Alabama, the offensive scheme, the quarterbacks on campus. I mean, look, whether Quinn Ewers takes the ball Saturday or not, you have seen some improvement in Hudson Card. You've seen. And receivers, they they see these things. They see a quarterback that, okay, he's stepping up on the pocket more and he's giving me a chance as a player, right? Okay, you saw Quinn against Alabama. You're like, whoa, this guy looks really good. Arch Manning's coming in. Uh, Three-star Arch is coming in next year, you know? So uh, (laughs) 20 touchdowns, no interceptions this year. I'm sure I just jinxed him. But three-star Arch is coming in next uh, year. So, I mean, there's a lot of pieces in place that are positive for Texas if they just go win the games coupled with a and struggles on offense. I, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, somebody put a, a, a post out the other day. Tech, Sean Watson with Tyrone Swoops at quarterback averaged 327 yards per game of offense. Thus far, Jimbo Fisher is averaging less than 300 yards of offense per game against FBS opponents. Right. I mean, if you're a if you're a wide receiver, do you, is that what you want to be part of? Um, if you're a quarterback, is that what you want to be part of? I I, mean, I, I, th- I think there's a. Uh, I mean, they they they, they lost their one quarterback. Uh, well, and here's already. the thing: is that if, if that number could have dropped this week, I mean, you're going to Tuscaloosa in one of the ultimate Nick Saban revenge games of all time, right? Um, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, look. From the AM perspective, we say, well, our freshmen are on the field, right? We we've said that for Texas, so we gotta be fair. Yeah. But but their 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 freshman class is incredible. I, right. I know. But here's the thing: lost to App State and didn't look good doing it. Beat Miami, and Miami then gets blown out by Middle Tennessee State. So that kind of is not a good win now. Who then uh, lo- wait, wait, who then loses to UTSA? Right. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Trailer's going to have his guys prepared, right? Um, that was a perfect setup for a trailer game. Um, and then not looking great against Mississippi State. And then you look at the rest of the schedule. Well, you got Bama this week, then you have the off week, then you go to South Carolina. Now, here's the fix, I think, for, for an AM if you're talking about I think Connor Wigman will take the ball at some point this year. And I think he's going to be better than the guys that have played. So Texas needs to keep winning ball games and need to look good doing it, throwing the ball down the field, having a fun offense. Um, look, and here's the thing, too. We talk about, well, Texas needs a couple other receivers to step up. But if you're a competitor and you're Micah Hudson, you're looking at Texas saying, oh, I can be as good as Xavier Worthy. I can take my nine targets a game and do something with that and make have 100 yards a game. So that's the flip side. The positive in recruiting is I think some people look at, well, does Texas play enough wideouts? Well, the best of the best say I can go do what that guy's doing. Yeah, and and Xavier Worthy is not gonna. 
I, he's he's future pro as long yeah. as he stays healthy. Um, this is an interesting question for you and I, our backgrounds in recruiting. Uh, can you weigh in on the issues going on at SMU right now with a bunch of kids backing out, saving their red shirts and sitting out now? You know Rhett Lashley personally. I, you and I have talked about that. Uh, I'm not trying to out you here on in public uh, or what have you. What's he going through right now? Yeah, I just I think this is just where we're at in college football. I, I, I've said for a while, your G5 basketball and football jobs have become so difficult in college sports um, because of the portal. Um, you, you know, you make a good evaluation, you're going to get hosed. I mean, I don't even know other way to say it. I mean, and, you know, look, these kids are going to be – you're going to see things like this pop up. And I don't think this is going to pop up at the Power 5 level. I think this is more of a G5 thing. I really do. Um, where kids, all the kids are going to be looking to bump up if they can. And and that is going to be something that I just think makes these jobs difficult. And it's football and basketball, right? I mean, um, because your best players are going to want to portal up. And the guys that are portaling down aren't necessarily always the guys you want. So, um, man, being a G5 football coach, being a mid-major basketball coach, I don't think it could be any more difficult than it is right now. I, I should. Um, I should. By the way, I think, I think that's a testament to a guy like Jeff Trailer, what he's doing at UTSA. By the way, I, I've got to say this because I didn't preface this well enough for you to answer. Um, but there's a report I think out of the Dallas Morning News that says a bunch of uh, SMU players have decided they're right. going to redshirt. Here, here's my question: If those are all young guys, or majority of young guys, Jerry, what's why do they think they can bump up? If they don't have any film, they didn't get bumped up. They didn't get bumped up to a power five out of, out of high school. Yeah. What makes them think that a year later or two years later, they're all, all of a sudden going to get it unless these guys are, are potential starters right now. And that's not how that read to me at all. Right. No, no. I just, I think NIL has got everybody going crazy right now. I honestly do. And not thinking um, realistically or soundly, uh, as, as athletes. And, um, so, you know, I, I can't speak exactly to what Lashley and that staff are going through. Um, but it's just, I think it's an unfortunate situation that you're going to see pop up like over and over again. Yeah. I, it's tough. Um, Hey, this is a question I, I, def, I'm going to take, does NIL discourage a player from leaving a program? Yes. It absolutely can. It doesn't mean it is, but it absolutely can. Um, because I, I mean, I've got not that I'm indicative of everybody else, but I've got a kid in college. And if they were making 50 grand or a hundred grand at one place, and I had to then go pay 50 or a hundred grand or whatever at another place they weren't getting, would it help? Yeah, that would, that's a, that's in the, that's in the checkbox, right? That's, that's, I like it here. Um, son or daughter, please stay. Right. And so I think that, that, uh, is there a chance that that incur or could discourage a player from leaving? Absolutely. And I think it will. Uh, I, I absolutely think it will. I, I right. think it will. I think it will. If you're at the blue blood programs. Yes, exactly. Blue blood. Has to be, not the smaller level ones. Yeah. I yeah. want to say I last one for, um, our guys at energy, Texas, energy, Texas is for Texans by Texans. When energy, Texas becomes, your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, no over, not overseas, Texans. 
We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. All right. Got to say this. My favorite Texas OU moment. And, uh, you know, this is going to date me a little bit, but I believe it was 1989 and Johnny Walker caught a slant from Peter Gardier and Texas beat OU uh, in the final minute. Um, and that was my first ever Texas OU game live. I was a guy named Scott Monroe. I didn't, I, he was on this chat earlier. Um, and he mentioned it. He was sitting in the second or third row in the end zone. Well, that was my, my uh, second year at Texas. And before I started working for the football team that, that spring, and I was in the, I was in the same area he was. I was about, I don't know, 10 to 15 rows up among the mass of, uh, uh, of uh, college students. And when I say it was complete and utter mayhem, when Johnny uh, Walker caught a uh, slant and kind of fell into the end zone against OU on a fourth, I think it was fourth and 10 from about 30 yards out, pandemonium. For an 18, 19-year-old kid, whatever I was at that time, Jerry, absolute pandemonium. It was like welcome to big-time college football. It was uh, outstanding. Mine, before we go, I originally, when I actually posted this on Inside Texas, started a thread, mine was the Shipley kickoff return because Texas, OU was up 14-3. It didn't look good. That was a potent offense. I was sitting in the end zone and saw the whole thing happen. Right where Shipley caught the ball, I was watching. I'm going to go to Quan Cosby's block, though. <laughs> and here's why I'm going to say that. That was a physically, we're, we're, we're standing toe-to-toe -to -toe and we may take your lunch money moment. And there hadn't been a lot of those in that series on the Texas side. That was a very key play to me because that's a wide receiver making extremely heady but physical play against a team that had won the physical battle so many times. And that's when you knew these guys were a little different. Complete tone setter. Yes. Complete tone setter. Announced our presence. Here we go, bud. Yeah. Um, that that there, there's no doubt about that. Some folks are mentioning Edwin Simmons run. Uh, my dad talks about Earl Campbell in his senior year. Uh, there's just a bunch. Stony Clark stop at the goal line. Uh, St Stony the target. Back to the target tackle. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Like ran right along the goal line and. Uh, kept kept Terry Allen out of out of the or James Allen out of the end zone there. Uh, just uh, incredible games. Uh, there's been I, I will say this. Um, there's been some negatives in that rivalry that I've seen too. Um, I, I saw I saw one of the uh, 66 to three game. I think it was I can't remember. It was in the 60s and it was just bad. It was horrible weather at the Cotton Bowl and A and M just. Or excuse me. Oh, you just laid it on Texas in the Mac, or somewhat relatively early in the Mac Brown era. Uh, but my still, I think maybe the most athletic play I've seen in that rivalry um, was Roy Williams jumping the Texas blocker to hit Chris Sims's arm. Uh, and I'm talking about Roy Williams, the, the Oklahoma DB. I was literally was sitting next to uh, a, a bunch of uh, media non-media folks, but people that had some good, good tickets about 10 rows up right on the, right on the 10 yard line on that side of the field when that ha happened. And when I tell you that he literally just, 
I mean, he had no regard for his body. Right. And, and the and the play prior, what was amazing is Roy Williams, that DB from OU that was Superman, basically, at some level. He ran down the seams with the Texas Roy Williams. I mean, he ran down the seam, got his hand on a ball, and it, in the very next play, he's blitzing like a – I mean, I was just like – Dude, I'll tell you another one of mine. My hat's off to you, dude. You're good. <laughs> I'll tell you another one of mine that before we roll was Adrian Peterson's freshman year. Yeah. Texas was really good on defense. And I and um, you know, he had what 200 yards his freshman year, then after that didn't do much, right? He was injured, had the bad ankle. But that freshman game in that in that setting, I think it was 12-nothing was the score, right? Somebody. Yeah. Yep. Remind me, but that Texas was really good on defense. And I said, whoa, that guy actually is living up to the number one player in the country ranked by Bobby Burton at the time <laughs> as he looked every bit like the guy. And your thoughts were, you know, yeah, Texas has VY and said, man, how good would they be with Adrian Peterson? They were, they were, it was amazing. I, 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 I feel like there's been so many great games. The atmosphere there is one in a million. Um, I've been to a lot. I've been to Florida, Florida State. Matt, our producer, is a Florida State fan. I've been to three Florida, Florida State games. Um, I've been. I have not been to Army Navy. I want to do that at, at some point. Been to you know several A and M Texas games. I've been to USC Notre Dame, uh, both home and away uh, through the years. Uh, I'm trying to think. I haven't been to Michigan, Ohio State, which I think would be a great one. I've been to Auburn versus Alabama one year. Um, the difference really is the the crowd um the home and away is such a big difference um the cotton bowl is split not um by sideline like the player is split by a sideline right texas on on one sideline and then oklahoma on the other the 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 audience is actually split down the 50 on both sides right and it truly is a situation where one side is screaming and one side is sitting on their butts because they're pissed off right. after almost every single play. I've never seen a two yard run cheered more than in that game. Yep. I, I just, it's that kind of game. And if you, you haven't been to it, um, I would, uh, any Texas fan out there, if you haven't been, uh, please try to get to it. If you're just a general college football fan, uh, I would recommend it. Uh, as well. It's just that kind of good thing. All right, uh, Jerry, I know I've kept you a little bit over here tonight. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Jerry uh, Hamilton of InsideTexas.com and On3Sports. I'm Bobby Burton. This has been a Longhorn live stream on Texas football. Thank you all so much for joining us. We enjoyed it. Uh, the next live stream will be Friday, uh, but tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning, Eric Nalin and I get together for our weekly episode of State of the Program. For Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. Thank you all for watching.